reaching up and making the grab. Odell Beckham Jr. Stafford buys time. Protection is good. And so is the pass. Henderson came out of the backfield. Jefferson in motion. Henderson, nice cutback. Stafford rolling and throwing. Caught, caught, touchdown. Stafford caught on the run. Caught, who else? Out of the slot to the right, looks that way, fires that way, but makes the grab at about the 18 yard line. Pass, cut, got it, touchdown. Burrow trying to keep it going, gets spun down, gets it away, and incomplete. It looked like P. Ryan might have had a shot to make the grab, but the Rams now. Running down to celebrate with a defensive play. Guess who? Guess of course. Who? I mean, you don't even have to think about it. Do not even have to think about it. Pointing to the ring finger. Hello, everyone, to another episode of East Coast Rams during this fabulous, wild uh, offseason. Uh, for the upcoming 2022 uh, NFL season. Uh, I'm here with my awesome co-host, Zach Mayer. How is it going? It's going great. You know, we're still thriving off the Super Bowl championship. Rams are making some major moves, staying in contention. Um, you know, the one thing I will say is that the Rams are making me broke after winning the Super Bowl. I keep keep having to buy more and more Super Bowl merch. It, but I'm excited to talk about football and all things LA Rams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's going to be a very interesting offseason, especially with the pocketbooks for a lot of Rams fans. Uh, They keep on coming out with merch, which is smart on their part because it keeps on making us more broke. Uh, But really, those draft hats, I like them compared to last two years on the controversy with the draft hats. So uh, I actually like the new ones. Uh, Have you seen those yet, yet, Zach? I have, and you know, I'm always tempted to pull the trigger, but you know, within the last two years, I've really bought way too many Rams hats, and so I think I might have to might have to pass on this one, even though I think it looks I think it looks way better than the last year's one, which I do own that one. Yeah, you gotta save up money for that uh, Bobby Wagner uh, jersey, am I right? And we'll, that, we'll oh, for sure, that for in sure. A few second, yeah. Um, so, guys, we'll go ahead and break this down in the four quarters. We'll talk about Bobby Wagner first because, you know, of course, that happened a few days after we recorded our podcast, as I'm sure the Rams will do something crazy a day after this podcast because we're good luck, I'm guessing. Um, we'll discuss the league meeting and some of the rule changes to overtime. I personally like them, and uh, me and Zach will kind of delve into that a little bit. Um so let's go ahead and start talking about Bobby Wagner comes to the Rams after being cut by Seattle. Uh, a very weird move for Seattle, I guess, just how it kind of went down. I understand if they're in a rebuild mode, they don't necessarily need Bobby Wagner, but apparently they didn't tell Bobby Wagner anything. Uh, his uh, contract got reported as a five-year, $50 million dollar deal with like 65 million in 
or with incentives. Uh, Zach, what's your initial uh, reaction to this? Because this deal is more, uh, uh, if you look at the specific breakdown, it's more around, I think, $2 million, uh, $2 million uh, with $16 million guaranteed and like a lot of incentives with three years tacked on for like cap flexibility. So I'm really excited about this Bobby Wagner, um, this Bobby Wagner deal. I mean, essentially, it's a it's a two year deal um, with you know three years. You know, after the first two years, the the two parties, you know, Wagner since he represents himself, um, and the Rams can renegotiate or decide to part ways. Uh, but this is a really smart move. Um, it's on, I think on both parties. I mean, the Rams really want. Um, have always wanted this inside linebacker, but never really wanted to pay the pay that price for one. Um, but they finally made the deal with Wagner. Um, I mean, Wagner spent 10 years with the Seahawks. Um, you know, he's an all, he's an eight time all pro selection, made the pro bowl in eight consecutive seasons, um, and was the Seahawks. And I think he's currently the all time tackle leader in the NFL with, uh, 1,383, uh, tackles. So I'm, I'm really excited for this. I mean, and the win-win for, I guess, for Bobby Wagner is a, he gets to go up against his team who just cut him you know, uh, randomly, it seemed, uh, especially for him with no knowledge until it hit the, it hit the Twitterverse. Um, and so I, I really think this is a good move. He's, he's going to be back home in LA. I mean, this is where, this is his hometown where he grew up. Um, so his family's all there. So I know the Ravens wanted him, but you know, and even, uh, even wanted to give him more money, but he decided to stay in his hometown and, uh, stay with the Rams, which is just, is, is just awesome for us. Uh-huh. Yeah, being Super Bowl champs comes with a uh, nice perks like a, a free agent discounts, which we clearly got. Uh, we also got lucky because it is his hometown. Um, it just amazes me how smart the Rams are with their contracts. And um, good on Bobby Wagner for work, being his own agent, working through the Rams with this contract. Yeah, I mean, I feel I, like I... from all the re. Uh, yeah, uh, with all the reports, it does seem like um, they told him that uh, he's free to negotiate with other teams and that they would wait for him because they knew, like, the Rams don't have the money to give him premium, like, dollar, uh, what his market is fully worth. Uh, the Rams can't compete, but what they can give him is a great culture, a decent paycheck, and ability to get back at the Seahawks. And I feel like all those things combined, and, you know, it doesn't hurt moving to a defense with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Uh, that doesn't hurt. For sure. And, you know, Les Snead wanted Bobby Wagner. I mean, this goes back all the way back into the initial draft when, uh, you know, Les Snead wanted to get Bobby Wagner. Like, he was he was set to to pick up Bobby Wagner, and the Seahawks picked him up um, right underneath of them. Uh, so there, I think even, uh, even within the, the, the coaching staff and, you know, the GM staff, you know, there's this Bobby Wagner rule that says, if you want, if you want a player, you go out for them. Um, so, you know, it's, it always comes for a circle for the Rams when they're able to pick up someone like Bobby Wagner, when they've been interested in them for, you know, 10 years prior. Yeah. I personally, Zach was more on this, uh, Gilmore train than getting mm-hmm. Wagner. Now, I always acknowledge Wagner was more realistic. Uh, I feel like Gilmore is going to be very expensive, and I 
thought there was a chance Wagner would take a discount, which he ended up taking a discount for us. Um, at that cornerback was way more of a need. Uh, linebacker, we've always been able to scheme around it. Now, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean we can't scheme for now having two really good linebackers. We possibly have a top five linebacker duo now. Like, I really think that highly of Jones. He is amazing for a young linebacker, and I feel like being under uh, Wagner will help his development that much more. But ultimately, uh, our secondary is very weak right now, especially with coverage. Outside of Ramsey and um, outside of having Fuller, like I feel like we definitely are going to have to add through the draft if we don't have any more free agents sign that are cornerbacks or uh, DBs. Yeah, you know, and I and I I get what the Rams were trying to do, and I think they're they're really trying to hit every level. And 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 for the I think the Rams have they have that talent at every level, but you you do see that especially in the cornerback position, and you know even within the safeties, you know you, you see that little bit of a weakness. I mean, obviously you have Jalen Ramsey, who's you know by far the best cornerback in the league, and you know I think that they're they're going to rely on Long, they're going to rely on Robert Rochelle, who really was coming um, into his own before he got injured. Um, and so I, I really think they're they're going to take a look at free agency and hopefully we can still, you know, pull in, you know, a veteran in that at that position. But I think um, Ramsey can, you know, definitely help Rochelle out and, and get him to be a better uh, corner. And, uh, you know, I, I think they the Rams have always done a really good job of bringing in good talent. It, they don't have to be first or second round picks to be really good at their position and develop role players. That yeah, so I think they have all the role play. They have all the the players in the in that locker room now. They just need to execute uh, on their end, which we've seen time and time again them being very successful at. Yeah, I feel like people don't understand the reason why the Rams don't need first round draft picks is they already have Aaron Donald. They don't need to draft another one. They don't need to draft a Jalen Ramsey because they have Jalen Ramsey. That's right. why the Rams in the later rounds can go after specific players for either depth or like specific roles in the defense, um, like run stuffer or being able to get these flawed candidates that are only really good in certain situations because we have the key contributors already. So we don't need the capital to keep on drafting the build towards like getting those players naturally. And I, I think trade for them. Yeah. And I, I think the Joe Noteboom and, um, and Whitworth is kind of the prime example of, you know, we were able to take someone, you know, in the draft and as a rookie and, you know, bring him, bring him into this, bring him into this and have Whitworth kind of train and mentor him and, you know, be an easy replacement once Whitworth retired. And so I, I, I really think that this is a good mindset for the Rams and they're continuing to show that they are ready and they're willing to put everything out there to, uh, to win, to continually win and to win with the best team they could possibly have. Mm-hmm. Definitely a different way of doing stuff in the NFL. Uh, so the Rams signed punter Riley Dixon. Uh, he was with the Giants, averaging 45 yards per punt across 280 punts. Um, he seems like average punter. Zach, uh, nothing super special, nothing really bad. Honestly, I think he's going to be a punt leg against a rookie punter that we draft. I really do think that the Rams, if in the fifth or sixth round, 
you have, uh, and we'll go into the draft a little bit here soon, but if you have that Arizona kicker in the fifth or sixth round, he is that good of a talent. I think he's worth taking in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, this was he an interesting, ridiculous. Yeah, this was an interesting move. I, you know, I guess when I guess I wasn't really expecting the Rams just to bring in at least at this point in time um, a punter. You know, I, I assume this it was going to be a competition anyways. They were going to bring somebody in, and you know they were going to probably draft somebody, and then it was just going to be a competitiveness of who's who's going to be that starting person. So I'll be interested to see how this goes. You know, obviously. Johnny Hecker, you know, losing him. I mean, it was probably his time to go. I mean, but he's always been a fan favorite to everybody. But yeah, this was just this was just very kind of out of the blue. I mean, it was kind of snuck in right after, um, uh, you know, Bobby Wagner's announcement. But, you know, again, I think most fans were just kind of like, hmm, interesting. You know, um, he like I said, you, he seems like an average, uh, an average punter. Mm hmm. All right, let's go ahead and move on to kind of talking about the overtime rules. Uh, Zach, can you go ahead and break down what changed and what we are moving from and to? Yeah, so the uh, the overtime rules were uh, discussed at the annual league meeting uh, last week. Uh, so previously, the uh, in overtime, the first touchdown scored in overtime could end the game, uh, with both sides only getting a chance to possess the ball if the first team in possession failed to score a touchdown. So they either um, they either had to kick it, they had to punt it away, or even if they got a field goal. Uh, the new rules proposed by the Indianapolis and Colts. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts and the Philadelphia Eagles ended up passing 29 to three when an amendment was introduced, limiting the changes uh, to the postseason only. Uh, so the new rules, uh, both teams will now have the opportunity to possess the ball in overtime um, in the postseason. If the score is tied after each uh, team has possessed the ball, then the next score wins. And if the kicking, if the team kicking um, off to start the overtime period scores a safety on the receiving team's initial possession, the team that kicked off is the winner. And just as a reminder, this is for postseason only, not during the regular season. Normal rules up, apply for, uh, or previous rules apply for the regular season. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, this all kind of. I mean, it all came in effect because of that Bills Chiefs game where it just felt wrong that after such a great comeback to tie it up by the Bills, that the Chiefs get the ball and then the Bills never get a chance to even go down the field and score. And I I get the argument that people say, Oh, you're watering down defense, like you you gotta make a stop there. It's like you you got to look at the reality of the NFL today. It is an offensive-driven league. Um, you got to be able to give a team, especially in the playoffs, a chance to counter. And you give the other team's defense a chance to go on the field and make an incredible play or stop. Um, just the fact that the Bills never got the opportunity, I think it was wrong. Um, just how that game was going, it's, 
I think it's better entertainment. I think it's better and more fair rules. Especially, I like the designation of not doing it during the regular season. You don't want those games going on forever. But during the playoffs, you want to have as much opportunity from both teams to win that game as possible. Yeah, so, you know, I'll, you know, I was kind of one of those people that scratched my head. I was like, okay, I mean, I get it. It's, it's, it's in the overtime. It's, it's in the postseason only, but I, you know, I, I kind of on that, that track of like, this kind of does water down the defensive play a little bit. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't really necessarily have a problem with it because I, I do think it makes things uh, more fair for the team. Um, but I, I do like, you know, we, sometimes we, I know we don't really like a defensive game because, you know, defensive games usually mean low scoring games. People are always, you know, all about the, the big throws, the touchdowns, um, the long plays and things like that. And, you know, those, those are all fun, but you know, sometimes I just want to see, you know, the defense go in and just like in the Super Bowl in the final, you know, the, the final couple of plays, Aaron Donald just breaks through and just throws that quarterback down. You know, you know, when you're in overtime, you feel like that's how your defense should play. They need to be if you if you want to succeed, you need to have a defense who's willing to push through and just, you know, get to that quarterback and throw him down. Those are the those are the plays that I love to see, um, you know, on the defensive side. So Again, I see where this is coming from, and you know, I think it's I think it's a good thing to do, especially in the postseason. Um, but uh, you know, it is what it is, and you know, again, like I said, I'm not really harping on it. I think it's it's a move that needs to be done, especially in this offense driven league. But um, you know, it's something to, definitely to see how this moves forward uh, going on in the future if they decide to bring this into the regular season. Mm-hmm. And and I guess the other point was there was a. I don't know. What did you think about the there was one proposal that made it if they if the team, if the first team who's receiving the ball scores a touchdown and they do a two point conversion that ends the game other than just kicking a field goal, then the other team would still have the equal opportunity. What what were your thoughts about that? I mean, I would have been okay with it. I think it's a little overkill, Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't have been up in arms, but. It just, to me, is unnecessary. Just make it where if you score a touchdown, the other team gets opportunity to score a touchdown. And then the first team that doesn't, isn't able to score points with the other team loses. So, yeah. Okay. I kind of like the XFL, how they did it. Uh, the second XFL, there's going to be a third one in a year. So I don't know if they're going to change the rules or not, but mm-hmm. I like their method of doing it. Okay, Zach, let's go ahead and move on to a draft preview. Um, you know, I know it's hard to predict the draft, especially saying the Rams don't have a pick till 2029. Me and Zach will be very old by then, but I'm sure we'll try to keep you up to date with our thoughts and analysis. Make sure the Rams, um, you guys know, I'm, I'm joking clearly, but really, Zach, this draft is going to be an interesting one. Um, the Rams don't have a lot of like super pressing needs. I know a lot of analysts are saying offensive line. Uh, some fans are too, but honestly, I think they're fine there. I think they have really good depth. It sounds like from everything, they're very impressed with their second and third tier guys, mm-hmm. like Tremaine Ingram and like a lot of good guards. Uh, we may end up drafting alignment in like the fifth or sixth round. That's what I anticipate. I don't see them going high. So 
looking at this draft, uh, I'm looking at certain needs. And when I did these mock drafts, I tried to be realistic. I tried not to trade up. If anything, we're going to trade back. I did some of those. Um, Zach, what's your initial um, kind of projections with where the Rams go with their draft picks? I think dra- or picking specific players, it's so random, especially with different teams. They may end up picking a player because they thought their player that would be available isn't. And so they have to reach on another player that the Rams were planning on picking like 20 picks behind that. Uh, so specific players don't focus on that. We'll focus more on the positions. Yeah. So, um, so the NFL draft is always unique for me because it always falls on my, my, my birthday weekend. So, you know, I don't really always follow the draft other than just no- getting notifications of uh, who the the Rams pick up and, and kind of move on from there. Um, I'm trying to do a better job of kind of filling that void in. But as far as positions go, you know, I think we're, we're definitely looking, um, you know, almost to this, you know, the uh, the defensive side of things. I, I agree with what you said. You know, we, we already on the offensive side, I think our linemen are already um, in a really good position. Our receiving core is in a very good position. Um, you know, if, if anything, if anything on the offensive side of things, you may see them maybe pick up a tight end and maybe a running back. But um, other, other than those two, I think the, the main focus is, is going to be on the, the defense, um, you know, looking at that cornerback position and looking at that safety position um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we pick up a uh, tight end, that tells me that uh, they think we're set on wide receiver and they're going to move Jacob Harris as wide receiver. Uh, if they pick up a wide receiver and tight end, um, yeah, that tells me a lot about Tutu Atwell, honestly, Zach. I think mm-hmm. that's a big flashing light that you could see Tutu not even make this team. Uh, it could also be a warning light for Jacob Harris. Um, so some of those deaf players, if we draft a wide receiver, especially high, uh, could be issues for some of those players. But uh, tight end would be an interesting one, especially seeing that they view Jacob Harris now more of more as like a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I still like him as a tight end, personally, as a receiving tight end. But, you know, that's me. Uh, Breaking down my mock drafts, if you haven't, you can find it at my uh, Twitter page, RamFanAshton1. And you go, my first one. I basically traded down from uh, 104, and I got 112 and 173. So I traded down from the early third or mid-third to early fourth round and a fifth rounder. Uh, And then I've traded one of my uh, fourth rounders for two fourth rounders. Oh, no. I traded a late fourth rounder and an early fourth rounder for, like, two middle fourth rounders. So I moved back and moved forward uh, there, if that makes sense. And with all those draft picks, which ended up being round, uh, what is it? nine draft picks which i feel like uh, zach uh, do you think that's real two realistic trades there that the rams would do yeah i mean uh just kind of breaking those down yeah i think i think that seems very realistic um the you know 
The only thing I think that I would think of is if the Rams have somebody in mind, uh, because we go back to that Bobby Wagner rule that I kind of brought up in the beginning is if they have a player who thinks who they think is going to get picked up sooner than they're able to, then I think they may keep their third rounder, especially if there's um, if there's someone they really want to get who they would be afraid that would uh, uh, dip out before before they had the opportunity in a fourth round. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I have the Rams selecting uh, Donovan West in the fourth round uh, as a backup center. I really like uh, from the few, uh, some of the tape I've watched of Donovan West, I think he's a solid center. I don't think he's a day one starter. I think he's a good depth piece uh, that we can kind of develop behind Allen. Um. And that's only because I was surprised he was still there in this kind of mock draft simulation. So that's one of those, like, he was surprisingly there. Now the Rams have been known to pass on linemen, even if they fall into their laps. Cock off last year. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I'm sure Sean McVay has some shiny <laughs> offensive toy that falls in their laps and Donovan West, they'll probably end up taking the offensive toy because Sean McVay loves his options. Uh, then in the fourth round, I have them picking up Jojo Doman, um, solid linebacker option. Again, a death piece, someone to kind of put in camp and compete. Uh, someone that I know a lot about, Sakandre White. I loved him coming out of the draft last year. Of course, he won't be drafted until this draft. Uh, he had a down year last year. A lot of people don't know his name, even though in 2020, I believe he was the best SEC uh, rusher. He was electric in 2020 and just had played with injuries last year. Um, I think he's a steal in the fifth round. We need some running back depth, especially with injuries. Uh, I know some people may be concerned that we're picking up a other running back with injury concerns, but I really do think he has first round potential uh, talent wise. He just, if he can stay healthy, we've heard this again, but if he can stay healthy, I really think this running back from South Carolina could be a very, very good addition this off season. Uh, if we draft them. Then uh, an edge from Iowa, we get Matt Ar Azaria. I, I can't say that last name at all. Uh, punter in the sixth round. I really like him. If you look at his stats, he averages around, I believe, like 51 uh, punts. Oh, sorry, yards per punt. He has like an 82% field goal uh, percentage. So he can kick and punt. Uh, how do you feel, Zach, about taking a punter in the sixth round? Are you pro-punter in the sixth round, or are you kind of against taking a punter that high? Uh, you know, I think typically I would be against uh, taking a punter so high. But I, again, I look at the Rams, and I look at them as a whole. And I and I feel like there are um, there are plenty of – they have they have a really good foundation – um, as far as, you know, the offensive defensive goes. But, you know, what we've seen, at least in the first half of last season and kind of sporadically throughout the last couple of years, is that the 
um, the special teams unit has really kind of struggled a little bit to find their foothold. And yeah, they found them themselves out a little bit towards the end of, uh, for the second half of last year. Um, but I, I see them now. I, I really, especially, you know, with moving on from Hecker and things like that, I really think that they need to find somebody um, in that punter field who, who can help out that special teams and who can, you know, a fresh set of legs who can drive, uh, you know, balls down the field and, you know, keep them with, you know, within the, the, the 20 yard line. I think that's something that the Rams could definitely use. So I'm all for it, especially with the offensive as it is and the defense as it is. Yeah, not to mention, you know, Zach, like, I think both me and you agree that the what do the Rams love more than anything is they love players that are flexible and can do multiple things. They love their utility players. They, they want a kicker that can punt, and they want a punter that can kick, right, just in case of something really weird happening. Well, I think also- last year you did have a punter kicking, too in one of the games uh not, not the in Rams. our games but yeah, in yeah, the yeah. nfl oh yeah yeah definitely I, um oh, giants, I, I think yeah it might have been was it the giants or was it baltimore anyways uh it, that doesn't really yeah uh it doesn't really matter but you know the other thing that you know they they really like and you know i know you're kind of talking about him kicking and uh punting at the same time but you know what the what the Rams really like, and I think that's maybe why they picked up the Giants' uh, punter. Not to really go back too much on that is his versatility on you know throwing the ball too. Um, I think that that's the other weapon that they really like to see is someone who can throw the ball so they can do those trick plays. Yeah, I definitely see them probably drafting a punter uh, late uh, to compete with this punter from the Giants, and they'll go with the winner. Um, then again, they went with a punter that, honestly, I thought they made the wrong choice. And Hecker had a decent year. Uh, not great. He had his games where he was good and then some games where he was terrible. Uh, so we're moving on from him and we'll kind of see what direction they choose to take. Um, and then I have the rams taking an edge from coastal carolina i love a lot of these coastal carolina players as late round picks uh i think that team has a lot of good talent on it for especially for a smaller school and whoever gets a lot of those players they're getting some really good i won't say like studs in nfl but i think really good solid starters if that makes sense zach oh yeah definitely because uh if people don't know, I lived in South Carolina, so uh, my entire family are USC fans, so University of South Carolina. Um, so I watch a lot of South Carolina football. I watch a lot of Clemson football and then a good amount of Coastal Carolina because uh, I went to school in Charleston. So that was like the closest college team that I could root for. So uh those are the players that i know more about and i'm more comfortable speaking like who i think is good and who is bad mm-hmm. for sure and like i said you're you know you're our, you're our draft expert at this point because you know again i haven't delved too much into the draft and to the who who's who's the who's who in the draft mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm definitely not a draft savant, but I have a little bit of knowledge, and I'm not going to – like, the draft is so hard to predict in new ways. That's why I kind of laugh at when people are like, oh, that person won't be good. You, you really don't know. There's a few – very few candidates in the draft that are, like, surefire. They're going to be great players. Uh, so the round out this first draft, I end up – Drafting Brad Hawkins from Michigan, really solid safety from what I've seen. What uh, I believe the Big Twelve, uh, solid Michigan player. A lot of Lions fans have told me uh, that he will end up being a really good safety. Uh, that remains to be seen, but I think we need some safety depth. So in the sixth round, um, I think he's worth taking a shot on. And then another Michigan player, Vincent Gray. Um, when I watched the games that Michigan played, he was always a player that stood out to me. I remember the name, which especially in this draft, I don't, I ha don't recognize a lot of the names as much compared to other drafts. Cause I've been just, you know, Rams won Super Bowl. I didn't pay attention to college football as much, but really, uh, he, he always stood out when they were playing and I, I like his potential in the sixth round. Or seventh round in that case. And then Barland Spector, uh, a really good linebacker for Clemson. He has really good horizontal coverage. I think he would be good in training camp for, uh, from Clemson. So uh, I think that's a solid draft right there, Zach. I don't necessarily dress every need, but I think I got a lot of good depth players there. And maybe one or two starters if we're lucky. Yeah, no, I think it looks good. And, you know, I don't really know how PFF actually rates, you know, when you do a mock draft, but, you know, you those grades you got were pretty good. So uh, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited to see what the Rams are going to do. They've been making moves um, in free agency, which is great. Uh, but seeing what they do in the draft will really kind of um, help us uh, have a clearer mind on what we can anticipate uh, going into training camp and anticipate going into the 2022 season. Yeah, I got an A on that first one. And then the second draft I did, I got Damian Pierce from Florida running back. I know someone commented uh, on my uh, posting. They're like, oh, why would they take a running back in the third round? And then I said, have you not watched the Rams draft? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They love to pick up those players who the Rams kind of scratch their head and going like, but we have, and, you know, there's always, you know, Forever, whatever reason, they like to pick up a shiny new weapon, uh, offensive weapon in the early uh, rounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I have them picking up Zach Tom as tackle. I feel like um, this is a smart pick because Zach Tom from – because I watched two Wake Forest games. I know that's not a lot to judge a player on, uh, but he was great in those just like didn't let anyone in that I – think he didn't even allow pressure either of those games i've heard a lot of good things from wake forest fans from him uh so solid tackle there i think uh the rams would potentially draft a tackle in preparation of havenstein uh i believe isn't his contract up this next year zach yeah i believe you're correct on that one 
Yeah, so uh, I could see them drafting a potential replacement if they're not able to get a deal done in time with him. So uh, I definitely see drafting a tackle that high as a smart move by them. And then I have the Rams doing two different trades, uh, basically trading, uh, what is it, a fourth, a fifth, and a seventh for a two-fifth, or trading away two-fifths and a seventh for a fourth and a fifth and a seventh. So basically trading back in the fifth and seventh round to move up to the fourth. And we end up getting Zach Tom with one of those picks. And then uh, trading back from the... uh, Trading back from a fifth rounder uh, further in the fifth to get a sixth and a seventh. So I feel like those are relatively... uh, Sneed like trades, you know, uh, trading a pick to get two late round picks and getting back a fifth, a later pit fifth. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So uh, from LSU, I get Cordell Float. Uh, again, like SEC teams, I know a little bit more about. Float is another cornerback that catches my eyes when I'm watching an LSU game. Uh, I recognize the name. Uh, Next name, Adam Anderson. Clearly, we're not making a statement on any uh, legal things going on with this player. I know he was first-round talent uh, coming into the draft before he started having personal issues. Uh, Putting that aside, I think in the sixth round, he is worth drafting and seeing if you're able to kind of work around the personal rough edges, uh, work around. Uh, hopefully there's a, still a talent. Uh, and, you know, who knows? He could not make the team because of personal reasons. But, you know, the sixth and seventh round is for taking shots on players. I don't know if you disagree with me, Zach, there, but... uh. I just feel like late round picks are so uh, they're so unpredictable. You just have to take shots on players you think that could potentially make the roster. Yeah, of course. I think you know you, once you get so late in the round, um, you know it it just becomes hard because you know uh, there's so many players come off the board that then you have to kind of you know once that one player starts coming off then it comes a domino effect and you kind of have to kind of replay what you're going to do so um no i I definitely agree that you know once it comes down to the later picks you're it's kind of at anyone's guess on who they're going to actually choose Mm -hmm. um and then i have them taking uh brad hawkins again uh matt or Isaiah, I'm going to have to learn how to say that name if we draft him. Um, Jeremiah Moon, um, solid linebacker from Florida. I've liked everything I've seen from him when I watch Florida, which there isn't a lot of good watching Florida football. So, because <laughs> my best friend was a Florida fan. A defensive end from Alabama, DJ Dale. I've always liked his tape when watching Alabama. Alabama has a really good defensive line, so I expect a lot of those guys to get drafted this year. Um, Barland Spector again, linebacker from Clemson, and then an edge from Notre Dame, uh, kind of just like 
didn't draft a lot of edges there. So like you're taking a shot on two edges and hopefully one can be decent depth and make it out of training camp. Looks good. Yeah. So, uh, two solid, uh, kind of mock drafts. Again, we are not going to pretend to be any type of like, Draft experts um, will give our reactions to draft, uh, especially like the positions we draft, not the players necessarily. Um, unless if we get like some crazy amount of requests to watch a player's tape or something, if people are like super hyped. Uh, but I feel like we have a good cast going into this next year, a really good roster, a lot of good rookie players from last year that could step up. I'm excited to see what our uh, D2 edge drafted last year could do. Uh, I was a big proponent of him going into the draft and drafted. So we'll see kind of how everyone works out and uh, how training camp breaks out. Yeah, I'm super excited as well. Uh, You know, I just I really like to see where where the Rams are going. And this will definitely show us, you know, what what they're thinking, what they're what they're. what 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 they have currently and then what their still needs are what once they start picking up players you know you kind of see where they're going to try to develop those young players into uh you know mm-hmm. where they're going to go in this NFL season mm-hmm. all right for the last uh last pit or last segment of our podcast let's go ahead and give our uh way so early predictions uh for the season zach our predictions for record since we don't know the actual schedule uh we know who we're playing but not specific schedule uh we do have uh the unfortunate side effect of winning super bowl is getting one of the hardest schedules so we do have to face the entire in our afc west which is um not going to be fun. That's going to be bloodbath between that division, but we have to face all of them. And then every division winner from last year, uh, which I think it, they're going to all still be relatively good outside of maybe Dallas could fall off somewhat, but we're going to have to face all those division winners. Um, what's your way too early prediction for a record? Man, uh, I yeah, I was I was looking at this schedule and I'm like, "Who boy, um, we got some, we got a it's tough, a tough schedule. Go. It's a tough schedule. Like, I have no doubt that we would be um, leading the NFC West position. So if I had to, if I had to say anything, um, I definitely think we're going to be the NFC West champions uh, and solidify our spot um, in the in the top four, uh, at least in the NFC." Um, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. I would probably take us at probably what is it, 10 and 6. We just have some hard, we had some hard, hard roads to go through. I could say 10 and 6, but I could, I, I could see us being 11 and 5. Um, I think Green Bay is going to be one of those. It just depends on when we play these games or when we, where and when we play. Um, obviously, we know where we're going to play them, but when exactly? Like Green Bay, I probably wouldn't be too scared if it was early on in the season. I would probably be, you know, a little bit more uh, cautious if it was later in the season. What about you? 
Um, I'm typically, so I've had a few, let's say, weird coincidences when it comes to my predictions. The Super Bowl one was a pretty bad one. I am now 2-16, and 16, so I'm pretty happy about that. I have finally gotten off of getting one Super Bowl right and getting two right, so pretty happy about that. But I've also, in the last three seasons, had been right about the Rams' uh, record minus one. They have always done one game less than what I predicted last three seasons in a row. And that is quite agitating because they always get close to getting my record prediction. And they always do something stupid like lose two to 49ers in overtime. So Mm -hmm. that's always fun. But, um... I think 14 wins. I think they get 14, 14. wins next season. I Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, you know, I when I was we're... when I was going through this, I was kind of playing this out of my mind and I I I definitely think I think we're going to be at least 11 and 11 and 5. 11 and what is that? Is it 11 and 5? 11 and 6? Oh man! Yeah, I, I think we're gonna see the same production offensively that we saw last year, but with less interceptions. Because mm-hmm. if you look, a lot of the interceptions were chemistry issues. Right. It just uh, outside of Cooper Cup, I feel like uh, until OBJ laid on, uh, Stafford just didn't have chemistry with any other wide receiver. He just didn't. Like mm-hmm. Deshaun Jackson had multiple times where. Um, you saw where Stafford would try to throw, like, thinking he would, like, cut back and come back inside. Now, not saying Stafford's perfect. Stafford throws some stupid balls time to time. But I just think the ones where he's overthrowing and then he expects the wide receiver to go one way and then the wide receiver doesn't and they don't fight for the ball and then the safety gets an easy pick because it's like non-contested. Stafford is a very um, heavy quarterback when it comes to throwing contested catches. And if you have a wide receiver not in the place where you expect them and they don't contest the catch, they get an easy interception and it looks like Stafford threw a stupid ball when really if he had a wide receiver that went and fought for it, it's actually a easier ball for the wide receiver to catch than the safety. Uh, that's why I think Allen Robinson is a really big, low-key pickup for the Rams. That's a perfect type of wide receiver for Matthew Stafford over a more kind of a perfect route runner that Robert Woods is because Stafford doesn't necessarily need wide-open wide receivers mm-hmm. to get yards. He needs people to catch contested catches deep down the field. That is his bread and butter versus Goff, where Goff needed those wide open reads or he just wouldn't throw the ball. Yeah. So, like, having. No, finish your thought. Oh, uh, just having both Woods and Cup was a little overkill. So, which one do you keep? Of course, you keep Cup over Woods. You dump Woods and you get a wide receiver that fits more of that mold where uh, Stafford can chuck a 30 yarder and just have uh, Robinson go up and get that high point ball. Yeah, and I, you know, especially with stafford i think we're going to see less interceptions this year i totally agree with that thought because here's the thing he came into the season coming from the lions 
you know, all this weight, even though, you know, you, you see this and, you know, everyone says, you know, Matthew Stafford's kind of the guy who just shrugs it off. And he's, you know, the pressure's there. The pressure is there from him coming to this team. And then as they start to progress and they start to do well, then you see more pressure put on him. Like, okay, so he's going to be a contender. All right. Um, and then he gets in the playoffs. He's like, well, here's his time to shine. More pressure is being put on him because he never won a Super Bowl or he never won a uh, playoff game. He won one. He won two. Then, you know, the pressure just keeps on building until you get to the Super Bowl and you win the Super Bowl. So all that pressure that he's never won a Super Bowl, he's never won playoffs games, is all behind him now. Now he gets to just have fun and play the game and win games without having to, you know, have all this pressure on him. So I, I definitely think he's going to be um, a lot better this season as far as the interceptions go. Um, and I, you know, I... Again, when I circle back and when we actually see a full schedule, my my you know my picks are going to be a little bit different. But um, yeah. I think the struggle, if we if we're going to look at struggle points, we're going to struggle with. I think Buffalo is going to be a struggle point. Um, you know, I think Green Bay could be a struggle point. I think San Francisco is always a struggle point. So you, I kind of when I'm thinking about this, I'm like, all right. Past and present, how how are we looking at things? Kansas City, I think, is also going to be one of those other struggle points. So. You know, I I see us still being in the upper tier. Um, it's just I gotta see when that schedule comes out because if we have to play like Buffalo and Kansas City and Green Bay back to back to back, you know that's that's gonna put a lot of pressure on our offense, um, and I think could slow us down a little bit. So I'm definitely mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing how we are actually going to um, where we're gonna lie um, and uh, for this season. Uh, not to mention, I feel like next year our uh, special teams won't be a hot garbage dumpster fire for the first eight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, first ten games, our special teams. Like I remember Zach, like we would just start talking and be like, "Oh well, I get. I wonder what play they're gonna mess up this week." Right? Mm-hmm. It was always one huge mess up from special teams. Um, and you're talking about like getting touchdowns scored on them. I think honestly, if you clean up the turnovers from Stafford and you fix the special teams, I feel like we beat Green Bay in Green Bay last year. I really do think like those were two big plays that they got free 14 points and that basically made it where it was an uncompetitive game after that. Um, uh, but I I just see our offense being better than last year and our defense being around the same. Uh, we have the potential to be better. Um, I felt like our pressure, we had good pressure last year, but it wasn't until the playoffs where you felt like the pressure was significant enough to make game-changing plays. Does that make sense, Zach? Like, For sure. I felt like... Uh, definitely. And I think, I get, you know, kind of getting into kind of our, you know, kind of closing thoughts on these things. It's it's really, you know, I think bringing in Bobby Wagner inside that inside linebacker is like we were struggling at making those kind of tackles. Either Reader wasn't, um, you know, getting the getting them down quick enough or rap wasn't coming in and, and, you know, finishing the finishing the tackle. Those are the places that we need to see a little bit better as far as the defensive goes. Finishing those tackles. The horizontal hit- movement. Yeah, hitting hitting them hard and hitting them quick. We need to get that done and not yeah. waiting two, three uh, players deep before the person finally gets tackled in. 
Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why we struggled beat the 49ers the first few uh, games. Or for the first two games we played them last year was because we weren't making tackles on first contact. They were like, we had so many broken tackles the second game. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I yeah I agree. So, I mean, those are the those are the kind of the more um, those those games are one of the ones that we kind of struggle with because they just couldn't they just couldn't finish the tackles and just just made you so infuriating. Yeah, the teams we struggled against last year were ball control teams that were able to run the ball, control the clock, and when they got up, it just we couldn't do anything because we didn't have the time. Uh, and we would just score so fast, and our defense would be on the field for so long that eventually by the end, they were scoring at will with like long drives and able to basically squeeze out the game before we even had a chance to do a comeback. Because mm-hmm. we're not designed for comebacks. It just, for some reason, Sean McVay is very bad at coming back when he's down 10. I think the first time we've ever done that under Sean McVay was the. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but was the 49ers conference championship game last year when we came back 10 or more points under Sean McVay? Yeah, you might be right. What what was Baltimore? Baltimore was close, wasn't it? We, I mean, we were down in Baltimore, but maybe it wasn't 10. Oh, we'll have to do some digging and come back on that one, I guess. <laughs> Well, no, I think we kicked a field goal and then they scored touchdown. So they were up like 17. Yeah, I think they were up 17-10. Then we kicked a field goal. And then like eventually later on in the game, we ended up scoring a touchdown to go up by three. Got it. Yeah. But I mean, like we've seen almost comebacks with, Sean McVay as the head coach, the Bills game is the biggest one that comes to mind. Yeah, no, but for sure. That was that was not that was very big. That. Yeah, that was just a heartbreaker. The Bills oh, game. Don't, that don't one get was... me started. That that game made me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's not make Ashton en- uh, angry anymore, and uh, I think that will uh, kind of wrap things up for this week's uh, episode of East Coast Rams podcast. You can always send your questions and feedback to feedback at eastcoastrams.com or DM us or comment us on Twitter. Um, Our official Twitter account for East Coast Rams is at East Coast Rams, but you can also find us individually. Ashton is at Rams fan Ashton one and myself is at Zach Mayer. Any uh, final final words? Uh, No, man, I'm uh, very excited for next season, uh, I'm happy to not have any stress about it because, you know, guess what? The first two days of the draft, you know what I'll be looking at, Zach? I'll be looking at that nice Lombardi trophy that we have. <laughs> um, I won't be caring about the draft that much, uh, whether I like the picks or not. Uh, same thing with all next season. Now, even if we went 0-17, and 17, Zach, I will be perfectly happy with life. Uh, the Rams get a pass for a year, and then after that, I'll be upset, okay, about <laughs> wins or losses. Uh, just try to enjoy the next year. Um, as Rams fans, I know we, as a 
in large haven't enjoyed a lot of success and haven't enjoyed multiple Super Bowls. So just enjoy it while it's here because bad times will come. You don't have to bring the negativity right now. Like there'll be negativity in the future. <laughs> so just enjoy next season. It doesn't mean our coaching staff is perfect or not perfect. They'll make their mistakes. But Zach, I'm excited for next year. A lot football will be back soon and um you know Hopefully the Rams can get a second ring, you know. Is that too much to ask? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I think they're making their way now. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I I, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, but big thanks to everyone who listens to the pod and interacts with us. It's You guys are the reason why we continue to do this. I mean, it's fun for me and Ashton to talk about it. But uh, for you guys to listen to it, to communicate with us through, through Twitter and kind of interact, um, big things I think are going to come down uh, the road for us. So, um, but if you could do a couple of things, uh, take a minute to like review and share this podcast with fellow Rams fans, uh, or, you know, anybody who's a football fan, I think they could all get a little bit of, um, insight into how the Rams are playing and things like that. So again, um, the way we can spread the word is by you guys sharing it, liking it, commenting with us and, uh, and just being great Rams fans. Till next time, guys. Whose house? Ram's house.